Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our Globalist in Plain Sight show. And it is Sunday, February 4th. And I'm delighted today to have uh, Todd Wood, our founder and CEO, join us, as well as Rob Cunningham. Both of these gentlemen have military backgrounds, serious military backgrounds. Todd's a graduate of the Air Force Academy and flew helicopters for our Delta and Team 6. Rob Cunningham flew for, uh, for the U.S. Army and Air Force. And than many operations. So today we're going to talk about what's going on in foreign policy and domestic policy in relationship to the United States and the effects in the world. Uh, Todd, you were over in Ukraine last year. Let's start with Ukraine because you've been going there since 2014. Things are shifting there. What, what's your update on you know where we are and then we're going to go to the Middle East? Well, the whole thing has been a, uh, a massive uh, operation to do several things. One, to obviously pressure the Russian Federation because uh, they don't follow the, the dictates of Brussels and Davos and Washington. And, you know, we brought NATO to their border and created a conflict. Uh, and, you know, I'm not absolving Putin from any responsibility for his actions, but I'm saying that this wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have brought NATO to the border. They wanted peace uh, or at least some security guarantees. Um, but yes, they did want Donbass, and so they've acquired it. Probably will acquire Odessa uh, along the Black Sea and leave the rest of Ukraine as a rump state, uh, hopefully uh, neutral. But it's been a money laundering operation. It's been a political uh, information operation against the U.S., uh, against Bernie Sanders and against Trump. And the money flows there and then it flows back to U.S. politicians. We saw that in the FTX scandal and uh, it's been a trafficking operation and a bunch of other things. Ukraine has been really the place they could do whatever they wanted, and they did it for a long time. And now it's unraveling. The war is lost, in my opinion, and the uh, Russia will continue to press uh, westward and, as I've mentioned, probably take certain areas. And also there's a looks like a soft coup going on. Uh, the, the military is done sending their young boys to the meat grinder and they've said no. And, uh, so now you have Zelensky removing Zeluzhny, which is the head of the armed forces. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, to be seen how that works out, hopefully not to a civil war, which is highly possible. So, uh, I call him general Z cause I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was the most popular guy that was in the Ukraine because of the pushback mm -hmm. when the Russians hit Kiev in uh, 2022. 
So what is what's going on between him and Zelensky? Is it well, a popularity ego? Well, it started at the beginning of the war, and we reported this. Zelensky knew the invasion was going to happen and didn't tell the military. So he didn't evacuate the civilian population. I mean, we've got uh, sources who have told us the communications um, that did not happen on the night of the invasion. And so they wanted this to happen, and it did happen. And so that ever since then, the war has not been prosecuted well. Due to, you know, We saw this in Vietnam, where the civilian leadership just made a mess on the ground and the military was trying to make the best of it. So I think that's been what's going on, but you know, now the death toll and the destruction and the, uh, you know, press ganging of kids, women, old men, everything off the streets and sending them to the meat grinder. People have just literally had enough. They don't want any more of this. So we've, there's video on our side of, you know, a woman was walking with her husband, an ambulance pulls up, grabs the husband. She's screaming. She never sees him again. The average hour or the average time on the front for a new recruit is four hours before they're dead. Wow. So wow. it's 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 bad. And they why would you would you do that? Would you want to send your kids there? Would you when you know that there is no the, the leadership's completely corrupt and there's no chance of any kind of victory for your country? Or what would you do? You wouldn't probably send your kids. So that's where it sits. So it's become a lawless state. It's not just a corrupt state. It's, it's a dictatorship lawless. is what it is. It's a dictatorship. When you look at the repression of the religion, different religions, repression of Christianity, repression of uh, the media, uh, any opposition figures. You know, we had a source who tried to get a job in Kiev and the Kiev government. And uh, he walked in and they saw his wedding ring and they said, are you married? And he said, yes. And they said, well, we're only, we only hire gay people here. So he didn't get the job. So you can see what's going on in the government. Uh, it's kind of the same thing happening all over. You can see it. Rob, what are you? What are you? What are your thoughts about the Middle East? Well, uh, can I make one quick comment on what I've sure. just observed on uh, on Ukraine? Uh, mm -hmm. This is just a, a gut check question, I think, to your listeners, Christine. And what I just read in the last week or two, Zelensky has put out an invitation who's, that has been accepted for Abrima Abramovich mm -hmm. to be the education advisor for the Ukrainian children in the country. This woman is so connected to this incestuous human trafficking network out of Washington, D.C. with connections to the Podestas. Why in the world was she has no educational background? Why is this woman being asked to consult on rebuilding the Ukrainian Department of Education. It, 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 why are we fighting for these people that are making such immoral, anti-Christian, sadistic type of decisions with the money that we're sending them? We, we have to ask basic questions. What the hell's going on? Well, you know, keep in mind that during uh, last September in 2023, when Zelensky was uh, addressing the UN, he had side meetings in New York and he, and he met with people that were connected to some of the big boys connected to BlackRock, Vanguard, the Clinton Foundation, you know, anybody that could rebuild Ukraine. And I, I, we're not at the end of the, the war, certainly in Ukraine, but there's an awful lot of people that want a position for the rebuilding because as we all know, there's a lot of corruption before war. There's a hell of a lot of corruption during a war. And there's a hell of a hell of a lot of corruption post-war because of the money that's invested. I don't have the answer to, you know, why would they invite this woman who calls herself 
an entertainment artist, okay? Uh, I think that's the terminology she used. She's done TED Talks, you know, she's out there, she's got some crazy art. Uh, Tony Podesta does have some crazy art. I, you know, we, there's a lot, there's a lot of allegations about that uh, investigation in Washington. But again, there haven't been any indictments. There's been no proof or anything like that. But it's a lot of speculation. But she's 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 a weird artist. And why? What are her connections to Ukraine? I I don't know. Todd, do you have any idea? Well, I think Zelensky appointed her as some type of ambassador position also a while back. But uh, Rob's exactly correct. I mean, I I I don't know if strange art is the right title i would say satanic uh images is probably better with children mm -hmm. and um so it's it's weird it doesn't make any sense and uh, i i completely agree so all right so october 7th uh hamas hits israel inside israel we know that uh these are no longer rumors about the horrific acts uh of rape game rape you know, burning people, uh, et cetera. I mean, they're horrific. And now we're, you know, it, we're into February and nobody's negotiating. It is escalating. It is to the point where, you know, I was telling some people I'm on a thread wave who, you know, are arguing about ceasefire versus genocide, et cetera. And at some point, we want to have the adults in the room, the elders in the room to say, okay, fine, we have to figure out what's going on here. But it seems to be expanding. What's your thoughts on the, the Middle East, Rob? Well, um, at the 40,000 foot level, the context of the petrodollar dying when we unceremoniously left Afghanistan, that put, I would say, the fear of God, if you will, into the Saudi kingdom. You got a thousand miles away what is what amounted to be an enemy with the third largest military arsenal in the world, Afghanistan. And they needed a new bodyguard, so they pick up the phone the next day and call Russia. So you don't need a U.S. military protect, protecting the petrodollar if you also have Russia as a bodyguard. <laughs> so what we've seen since then is a backing away of the petrodollar, a backing away. You know, we saw the, the SWIFT system used and weaponized against Russia, and mm -hmm. the rest of the world took note of that. And they said, oh, my God, if they can do it to Russia, they can do it to us. We better come up with plan B. Okay, and so as we see the petrodollar beginning to uh, deteriorate and the SWIFT system losing its muscle, and the BRIC system gaining its strength in Saudi Arabia just last week joining the BRICS. Now we have 11 or 12 nations in the BRICS coalition and 40, 40 members raring to go. Uh, that, is an, that is a financial ecosystem outside the purview of the Bank of International Settlements. Okay. And if the world reserve currency is losing its luster and bankers are panicking, there's basically nothing they won't do to try to maintain their power status. And what we're seeing before our eyes, actually what we're having to dig for beyond the media, because they will not accurately report what's going on, is a di dissolution of the central banking empire that was born in 1913 that began dying, at least we can say when the sanctions happened against Russia. I mean, we've even, Christine, recently seen the Biden administration, not only did they 
freeze Russian assets of $100 billion or so in their accounts. Just recently, after the House of Representatives said, no, we're not giving you another dime for any more Ukraine funding, the Biden administration moved to steal what they had seized and take $80 $80 billion or so from Russia and then give some of it to Ukraine to fight Russia. I mean, that's breaking every kind of international law known to man. And so the rest of the world is taking note that we no longer want that world reserve currency's boss's boot on our neck and it's manifesting itself in the Middle East. Here, you know, as they say, all wars are bankers' wars. We're, we're facing an insolvency. We're facing a debt crisis in America. And we're facing a Biden administration that is chomping at the bit to want to start a war with Iran or start a war with Syria so they can start printing money again, so they can try to extend the lifeline of this failing economic system. So if we follow the money, and we look at the Middle East, we have to just start using some discernment, logic, some understanding of history, and and begin to put these pieces together because we're not going to go to any of the major news media outlets and have anybody tell us a straight story about what's really going on behind the scenes. So that's my best assessment. When you follow the money, you'll find the panic, and then you'll find the logic behind these illogical moves to bomb Iran or bomb Syria or look for, they're, they're trying to pick a fight. America seems to be wanting to pick a fight and they're, they've got a hair trigger. And my take on it is without some legitimate reason to pump more money into the economy and some boogeyman to blame for America's economy imploding, the American voters will blame Washington, D.C. for the bad economy. So let's take a break at this moment and come back and let's talk about the 2024 and the the ramifications from the foreign policy. And then let's move to the the domestic policy on the southern border, because it is all about money. I agree with you, Ron. Whoops. We roll these back up. I love that commercial with the little kids in it. I do. Everybody, I do. everybody smiles after. Everybody in the family helping out. <laughs> uh, you know, money, to me, the economy is going to be major this year. And, and normally, and, you know, all the decades that I've covered policy, a lot of times Americans don't pay attention to foreign policy. But I think this is such a disaster overseas. Todd, I want to ask you, because you spent nearly two decades on Wall Street. Right now, what is Wall Street thinking? Because, you know, when, when Biden Biden came back from Israel, I think I forget the date, but I guess it was, you know, latter part of October, early part of November. And that's when he said, you know, I want this hundred plus billion dollar package and I want it to go to Ukraine, Israel, and also Indochina Pacific, meaning China, Taiwan. And then they kind of backed around and everybody did the dance on Capitol Hill. But 
what are these guys thinking on, you know, on Wall Street? Because the truth of the matter is the market only really stabilizes when there's some clarity and there's some stability and people aren't asking the question, what's next? But I think we're all living in, oh, what that's this is today, this is tomorrow. How, do, how does that play out economically for Americans right now or even well, more? As far as, as far as Wall Street, I think they made their bet a long time ago to be in with our existential threat or enemy, which is the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, I remember when I was on the street early on, I remember Stephen Roach, who ended up being the vice chair of Morgan Stanley. And he was saying all the time, oh, on the you know squawk box, don't worry about China. China's going to be fine. China's our friend. So he was obviously in the mix of all this uh, early on. And they they have melded their entire system to the Chinese. So now... They're beholden to it, and they would rather keep the money train going than, you know, support the American Republic. So that's where we're at. And what? But as far as the markets in general, Rob, spot on. This system is collapsing, and at some point, you know, I wrote a book about this uh, years ago. Uh, at some point, the the market, the bond market specifically, will realize, and it already is happening, I guess, that the U.S. has not neither the ability nor the will to pay off any of this debt. So at that point, then you have a massive interest rate spike, you have loss of reserve currency, you have hyperinflation, you have interest rate shock, you have the economy collapses. And so that's what we're facing. We're adding a trillion dollars every three months to the deficit. That's not sustainable. I mean, anyone with a thinking brain can figure that out, that they're intentionally trying to spike the U.S. economy because they want to destroy everything and then rebuild it in whatever image they want. So um I think we're in very perilous times and we have a very short period before things get really bad in order to, uh, you know, try and find a thread that need a lot of this. That's what I think. So, Rob, recently somebody said to me, you know, when we when the American public, you know, when they hear the, the number thirty four trillion dollars that we're in debt, but it's really one hundred and thirty four trillion dollars because we're not figuring out. Explain that to the public about how that works, because. People do not see, you know, beyond five feet in, in front of them, or they'll, they'll look at the price of butter, the price of eggs. But then I take a look around the globe in 2024. We have so many countries having elections this year and in places where the inflation is just out of control from Argentina to Germany. So are we going to see this in the United States, do you think? I don't see how it cannot reach our store, it shores. It's got to reach our shores because we're the... Uh, the economic world reserve currency in an order we have to print the money and then export that money to other countries no other country can pr pr print currency okay so we're kind of stuck unfortunately in the necessity to continue the printing press to export the money to other countries because everybody operates on the dollar denominated world reserve currency and we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't christine if we you know, we're, we're in a stagflation right now. Companies are laying off like crazy. Inflation is high. Economic mm -hmm. growth is low. Consumer sentiment is in the toilet. If they cut interest rates, inflation will go up. If they don't do anything, we die slower. So they, this is a damned if we do, damned if we don't. Is, and let, this entire system is a damned if we do and damned if we don't. And now it looks as if those powers that be for optics management want to blame a boogeyman like a war, like it's Iran's fault, it wasn't our fault, it's Russia's fault, it's, you know, the Palestinian war's fault, you know, don't blame us. There's a lot of 
the gamesmanship that looks like it's being played, and one of those may very well be that they may wait till May or June to lower interest rates to give a sugar high, one last sugar high that lasts to get them to the election. So this so, is like this is like the gas prices lower after Labor Day during the presidential year. Basically, that that that, that is a game that I believe there's the only card they have left. They have the war card, or they have the juice the economy with lower interest rates card. But neither one are long lasting. Both of them end very poorly for all of us. Thirty-four trillion dollars, or 100, 180 trillion if you count unfunded liabilities, is tantamount, Christine, to to you or I making hundred thousand dollars a year and having fifteen million dollars in debt to service. You know, we don't have that kind of lifestyle. We cannot service. We can't even make a principal payment, much less a principal and interest payment on fifteen million dollars if we only make a hundred grand. And we're so far out over our skis right now. We are, it's, it's a classic, the emperor has no clothes. We're, we're, we're called the world reserve currency, but we've lost all standing in the world. We have no, the, the world understands we are insolvent as a nation. So who the hell are we then to run around the world and dictate our morals and values, tell everybody, be the top cop on the street when we're morally and fiscally bankrupt? <laughs> you know, when you said that about, you know, exporting our morals, I have to laugh because, you know, the, if I were sitting overseas, I would not want our morals right now. Amen. It's, 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 it's totally out of control. So <clears throat> let's talk about, to me, one of the largest, next to the economy, one of the largest issues this year. And that is the open borders. It's like everybody in D.C. doesn't believe in the Treaty of Westphalia, you know, historically defining, and some scholars disagree with that, but defining sovereignty. Um, we have, a, it's a trafficking operation on the southern border. There's not, you know, there's not even a doubt in my brain. It, this is this is intentional. And we're also, we, it's a policy, just like our foreign policy under Biden, our policy is resulting in the abuse of children, which makes me crazy. And this is not, you know, we're not the first country in the world that's ever done that. In 2016, I was in Australia and they had the migrations coming in from the Arab rising at that time. And there was a federal policy down there that said if somebody came in seeking asylum by plane, they could get, they could land in Australia. But if they came by boat, they were not allowed into the borders and they put the children in Nauru on an island. And then there was an NGO that did an investigation and found, in fact, that children were being abused. And the politicians were discussing on the left and the right, trying to negotiate something. And I thought to myself, this isn't this is insane. In the meantime, they're doing the political posturing, but the kids are suffering. So what we're seeing on the border and the impact is is incredible to me because it's not just on the border anymore. It's hitting Denver, it's hitting Chicago, it's hitting the suburbs and the rural areas of Wisconsin, it's hitting New York City, and it's unsustainable. So let's talk about the money angle to this, not the immorality, I think we're already at that point, but the impact, what are we doing? Todd, what, what do you think, how does Wall Street respond to this? because they're not missing it. There's a hotel at 39th Street in Midtown that is housing 5,000 immigrants. Well, the, the people who are just maybe going along to keep their jobs are gonna find out that, you know, the reality of what's happening. So the leadership knows, and maybe all the other people are just blindly ignoring it, willfully ignoring it. But I think one thing on Rob's point is, uh, 
the civil unrest also they expect with the loss of the financial system when it collapses. So this is why we're having all the vaccine passport push in, in order to be able to control the population because they know when people realize they have no pension, when there's no food on the shelves and they have no ability or currency to buy food, like it's going to be like in the Weimar Republic, there's going to be mass civil unrest. And that's why they're trying to control us with the, with the system. But uh, as far as the immigration is concerned, you know, I think they're building an army. I think it's already here. And I think a significant portion of it is terror related and the rest is going to be control. So, you know, we've talked about these apps, Christine, these recruiting apps for fighting age men are all over the world. You're seeing them come through and they're being told where to go. Uh, you know, the, and that's, they're building an army in the country. Unfortunately, yeah, I, just, I just became aware of this. And I, I think to anybody uh, that's watching this show, they need to ask the question. There's something called welcome. It could be welcome, Wisconsin, welcome, Iowa, welcome, Texas, welcome, Georgia, here in the United States. But people need to start asking about this. I, I, I you know, we're going to do more reporting on this, but this was designed by, uh, I think it's first generation immigrants, uh, young men now, and it was basically a welcoming, app, a welcoming app for immigrants when they come into the United States, but we know that it's now overseas. And it's something that we notice during the Arab Rising, when, when Northern Africa you know, collapsed from Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, and there, there was a West African migration going into Europe, there were a lot of people that ended up in Greece and the islands and also in the Balkans. Everybody had a phone. And we did a deep dive then to find out how do they have a phone because you have to have a SIM card. And then we later found out that the NGOs were, get, were somebody bought the, the, the SIM cards and we were told the Soros uh, foundation at the time through, through some cutouts, gave money to the NGOs that bought the SIM cards. And then when people would be in the Balkans trying to get into further into Western Europe, on their phones, they had apps that told them, you know, go, here's the route to go to Sweden and Germany, and here are your social services that you can request once you get there. And I think this is something that we need to take a deeper dive on and find out, you know, Rob, you're in Georgia. See if there's a Welcome Georgia app down there. See in, in Florida if there's a Welcome app. I mean, wherever these migrants are going and being pushed to, whether they be in an apartment in Chicago or a Catholic charities or a Lutheran charity someplace institutionally where they're being housed or a hotel in 39th Street in Midtown, New York, we need to find out what is going on and what that communication is and who's really paying for that in the government. And, you know, how do we, Rob, you, you're a tech guy. Todd's a tech guy. I, you know, everybody knows me. You know, I, I'm a conceptual person. I'm not a tech person. I admit that. But how do we, are, are we losing on the ground locally? I guess, I guess the freedom to choose because it's the bigger entities that are doing this. What are you seeing down in Georgia? Because what's coming out of Georgia right now is just a level of corruption on a state level that's pretty enormous. It's affecting everybody nationally. You're, you're exactly right, Christine. I, I think if we look just at, again at the, at the big picture, the busiest airport on earth is Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. Uh, we just had breaking in the last week. We've had uh, our U.S. uniformed military officers are escorting twice a week military age immigrants coming to the Atlanta airport, being ushered into hidden areas. There's a, there are apps out there where people are 
they're going to churches, they're going to other immigrants, donate money, donate jackets, donate food, donate services. But our own Georgia State Senator Colton Moore was assaulted by asking questions at the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport as to who are these immigrants, who are you, who's funding them, where are they coming from and where are they going? And the minute they tried to film the room, it had a uniformed military guard outside the room. They were trying to film the room. They assaulted them and took the camera. And so mm -hmm. what we have is a darkness of information. We have a coordinated hidden operation to keep we the people from finding out the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Where's the money? Where are the people coming from? Who's involved? Who's profiting? This is a military sanctioned human trafficking operation of aliens through Atlanta to point to other points unknown. And if we, it, it, it blows my mind that we can't get any sunlight on this issue and get any questions answered. And it's a, it's just this, it's a web of NGOs. And, and for people to understand this concept, we're a constitutional republic and we have thousands of non-governmental organizations that offer us zero transparency and they have zero accountability to we the people. So when we go and ask questions, they tell us to go pound sand. It is a heavy lift to try to get any kind of information out of the, this web of NGOs that are all technically legal, but in reality, impossible for us to find out what's going on. And so that gives plausible deniability to the feckless politicians to go, oh, I don't know, it's not my deal. You have to go to court. You, and I can't do anything about it. That's not me. And so everybody's doing one of these things. They're either hiding or pointing fingers at each other. And we're frustrated as we can be trying to dig and get to the bottom and find some answers as to what the hell's going on and who's in charge. And no one wants to take responsibility. Let me ask you guys this because you're both, you know, vets and thank you for your service. Is this the kind of, con is this the, what you guys fought for? And how, and if you, and if not, how disappointed are you as vets taking a look at what, what's going on in this country, especially in the last three, 10 years, 15 years? Uh, obviously, uh, very disappointed, but more than that, I mean, worried about the future for my children. That's, that's the, really the only worry I have, uh, you know, my personal thoughts are irrelevant to their future. That's the way I look at it. You know, Christine, I, Todd and I know both joined the military for idealistic reasons because we wanted to honor and respect and protect certain moral values. And then our country was built, as the founder said, for a, you know, a moral and a religious citizenry, a constitutional republic, if you can keep it. And so we've we've kind of like landmined morality out of our culture. You can't talk about right or wrong, good or bad, ethics, moral history. Everything has just been so vilified and so dumbed down and now they're harvesting our ignorance and they're harvesting our immorality and everyone is a victim of a thousand microaggressions and none of us can seem to talk to one another 
add on top of that all wars are bankers wars if todd and i knew that when we were 20 or 21 or 22 or committing our lives to go in the military we might not want it we might have taken a pause at being pawns and helping bankers get richer if yeah. we knew the truth that all wars were bankers wars we went into the service for noblest of reasons but it is damn damn heartbreaking to me and i'm, I'm with todd it's not just my kids, my young daughters. It's everyone's daughters that I would take a bullet for. But what happens when our the real enemy is our own government? Yep. That's the problem. That's what makes me sick. Well, on that note, um, gents, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.